Welcome back to Tell Me This. We are, I know the episode number now, Brianne. It's episode 12 of uh, season two. And last week we talked to Dr. Paula Clark. Brianne and I talked to Paula about her latest experiences with the pandemic, some learning, lots of learning actually that she's done and some great reflections that she had. And just to remind our listeners that as we move into the spring, I know it's still winter, definitely in Massachusetts, it's still winter. (laughs) So as we move through the winter and into the spring, we're really trying to focus on healing, Um, you know, being able to sort of see that tiny, even if it's a tiny light, it is a light that's starting to appear at the end of this pandemic tunnel. And so we still need to hunker down. We still need to keep wearing our masks and socially distance so we can get through this, but I'm feeling more hope um, that we will soon emerge from the pandemic. So As I said, as Brianna and I have reminded you, we're talking to some returning guests and we're so fortunate to have Dr. Kristen Barber. I feel like it's three doctors on the podcast today. Very, very cool. Um, Kristen has agreed to come back. We're also going to add a few new voices to the lineup this spring. So please check those out later um, this spring. We'll also be showcasing some episodes on practical strategies on sort of how to do this whole process of healing. We're going to talk to uh, Lisa Cerise, who is a a wellness expert and sort of take us through um, some practices that hopefully you'll be able to adopt to sort of help with your own healing. Um, So before we jump in, though, I just wanted to sort of circle back, Brianne, to the conversation that we had with uh, Paula last week um, and something that she said. If you remember in the conversation, we sort of came to this space where we were talking about how hard it is sometimes to cultivate belonging, particularly in spaces where people just not only disagree, but have fundamentally different views about really hard things, right? And so we were sort of struggling, how do you cultivate belonging? How do you make connections in those circumstances? And Paula reminded us um, really, um, you know, she's so insightful and astute with these things. She reminded us that we have to find some sort of common ground. And it doesn't mean Um, We all agree that it doesn't mean that you have to convince someone of your viewpoint or bring them over to your other side. It's really figuring out, is there some, some process you could agree on? Are there group norms that you could establish? Is there a way in which you're going to have a conversation that you could agree on? Could you agree that it's important to be having this conversation, right? So like really finding something. And so I feel like with Paula, Kristen, um, I know the podcast, it hasn't hit yet, but we talked to, this was sort of the, the sort of on the spur of the moment that we did with um, Paula last week is we talked a little bit about the the siege on the Capitol. We just felt like it couldn't, you know, we couldn't um, ignore it because it's a very big, um, important event in our history. And so I feel like this second episode of, of 2021, I feel like if you've ever watched a uh, Law & Order SVU, the sort of ripped from the headlines. <laughs> So that was last week. And this week, um, I'm ripping from the headlines. Last night um, in Situate in our town in Massachusetts, we had our regular uh, school committee meeting. Um, And that's usually, I mean, in the pandemic, it's been a little bit unusual because there's been lots of reporting about cases and what's going on. But typically, it's student successes, budgets, other activities going on. And what's been going on 
lately in our town is a lot of talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We've adopted an anti-racist stance and policy. We've hired a consultant to help with DEI professional learning, and we're in the midst of trying to hire a DEI director, which is fantastic. But I bet what Brianne and Kristen can imagine is with those conversations, it has sort of kicked up um, lots of dissent and support. And last night, um, a, failure, a familiar voice of dissent went on what I'm going to characterize as a seven-minute rant that included many unkind and, and discriminatory remarks. And whether they were deliberate or not, I don't know what's in his heart. You can imagine the rage that people were feeling on that call, me included. And the funny thing is, and I'm coming to my point quickly here, at that moment, I actually thought about Paula. And I thought about our conversation about trying to find common ground. Like, don't get me wrong. I was ripped. <laughs> um, I was in one of those moments. How could I possibly find common ground with someone saying such terrible things? How could I continue to think about this? And yet I knew these are the exact situations where we have to find common ground. And so I continued the process, you know, it's on Zoom, so I can sort of be talking to my partner, you know, <laughs> expressing my anger and nobody knowing it. So I sort of have that luxury. And as I continued to process his statement, I decided I had to speak up during the comment, the public comment session of the meeting. And while I wanted to give him a piece of my mind, I didn't go there. I did not make it personal. What I actually did is I tried to find common ground. I urged the school committee with no uncertain terms that as we wait to hire a DEI director, we needed to adopt some sort of group norms to better manage this rhetoric. I told them that we cannot have complicated, difficult, and highly emotional conversations if we cannot agree on the language that we're gonna use to speak to one another. So for me, it was all about civility and humanity, right? For me, this is, and so what I was thinking about with Paul, I was like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is exactly what she was talking about. And moreover, to me, being able to do that is the hall is one of the hallmarks of cultivating belonging, right? This is partly why we do this work. Um, we don't have to agree on one thing. We don't have to share any similar political views, religious affiliation, whatever, but we do have to agree to treat each other with civility, respect, and kindness. And so, Brianne and Kristen, I want I toss that out there because as we go through the conversation today, we continue to talk about belonging, cultivating belonging, and what we've learned in this pandemic. I just want us to be thinking about that. Um, and I'm going to give you a second, Kristen. I'm going to throw it to you in a minute because I'd really love for you to talk about your context um, because I think you do um, perhaps more so than me and Brianne work with such an amazingly diverse group of individuals, um, instructors, therapists, colleagues, parents, students, really all over the world. And so I have to believe that in your work, maybe not something as sort of volatile as what I just shared, but certainly you have differences that come up um, at NILD. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that to you in a second. So I'm gonna give you a, a minute to think about it. And so in the meantime, Brianne, I just wanted to reintroduce Kristen to our audience in case folks remember. So Kristen is the executive director of the National Institute for Learning Development, and we, we call it NILD for short, in case you're wondering what those letters are. She brings extensive experience on topics related to learning disabilities, dyslexia, and developing students' thinking and abilities. 
Kristen completed her ed D at Johns Hopkins and her research focused on developing educational therapists, knowledge, beliefs, and practices related to developing a growth mindset in students with learning disabilities. And Bran, I don't know about you, but I could go on and on about Kristen. There's, there's, oh, yeah. there's so amazing. many wonderful things amazing. <laughs> that we could say about her. And, <laughs> and I have like, I have my notebook. No one can see it except Kristen and, and Brianne, but I have my notebook ready for her words of wisdom that she always comes up with <laughs> during our conversations. So I'm, again, Kristen, I'm trying to buy you some time. So I'm going to ask both of you the question that we typically ask our guests, I do want to check in and see how both of you are doing. Like, I mean, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And unfortunately, if you look at the graphs of the numbers, the spikes have been, you know, worse than they were during the highest moments in the summer. So we're definitely not out of it. So I'm just, I just want to check in and see how both of you and your families are doing. Carrie, that um, sort of your intro, first of all, thank you. Thank you, Carrie and Brianne for having me back feels like this being podcast number 12 in your series should feel like the dirty dozen. So maybe I'm part of the dirty <laughs> dozen conversations that we've had. So I'm grateful to be included in that group. Um, but just, just listening to the experience that you had last night, knowing that it maybe either came before or after the experience you then had with some of the NILD instructors last night as well. I guess I would say I'm cautiously optimistic for this year. I tend to be an optimistic person, but I think the pandemic has made me a little bit more cautious. Mm. Um, but with that, I think there's avenues and pathways that are being created, just like your response last night was, let's establish these group norms across a variety of both personal and professional settings, because that impacted you and the others personally, and professionally and impacts mm -hmm. the, the teachers and the students. And that's very similar in the NILD setting as well, where changes or interactions with the adult educators then influence the student learning outcomes. And Carrie, last night you shared with the NILD group, Brianne, I thought this was so powerful and you may have seen it already, sort of this four grid box. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's four boxes in a, in a quadrant. And it talks about diversity being a fact. It's here, whether you're diverse on any of the um, factors that you would identify yourself as, it's, it's there. But equity is a choice. And we talk about that a lot as educational therapists. How are we bringing equity to the learners that we're working with? How are we bringing equity to the teachers, the, the other instructors that we're engaging with? And then inclusivity is that intentionality to act. I am going to willingly include you in these conversations. I'm gonna willingly make myself available before the session starts so that you feel that you can connect with me, be it another colleague or, or a student. And then I love this idea that the outcome from all of these facts, choices and act is this idea of belonging. And Carrie, I, I venture to say that not just you, but probably many others in that meeting last night just felt completely that belonging, that felt and perceived need for belonging was just eroding because of the rhetoric or whatever language was being used for seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank, thanks for that. Um, I uh, Thanks for bringing up that quadrant because you're right, that's, I, I loved, I think what I loved about the quadrant, Kristen, was this idea that belonging was the outcome, right? Like that was sort of selfishly since that sort of 
where my heart is with this work. And I just loved, I hadn't, I think about those terms often, but I hadn't thought about them together, I think is what it was. And so when I saw that picture, I was like, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> like that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think because of the pandemic, this idea of belonging for me is really morphing. And, I, and mm. I'm not super clear in articulating yet, but I think what's shifting for me about belonging is including this idea of interconnectedness. Like I always considered belonging as, well, come be part of the group, come join us. But that's different than interconnectedness that says, you know what, you're you, I'm me, they're them, and we can all be interconnected somehow. And it's this reciprocal cooperation Mm. that's the key. And that's really that outcome, that back and forth cooperation, whether it's on the norms, the language, the ways of behaving. Um, For me, that idea idea of interconnectedness is becoming more strongly linked to belonging for me personally. Yeah, I think, Brianne, that reminds me, if you remember when you asked Paula about her conception of belonging and you reminded the audience of what how Paula characterized it, I think she actually used the word reciprocity. She did, yep. Yeah, so... Yep. So Chris and either you've been talking to Paula, which we know you do and sort of noodling <laughs> this out or you both came to the same conclusion. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and research backs this up as well. Ruben Feuerstein, just a great Israeli cognitive um, scientist talked about how do we mediate shared behavior? Mm-hmm. And for me, belonging falls under that umbrella of it's a shared behavior. We've, we've got to give and take with one another, be interconnected so that we can really hear the ideas that others are sharing, value their experiences. But that involves sharing behavior on many levels, on both the cognitive, the affective, um, and, and deeper levels as, as people connect that way meaningfully also. Something that came up in an email that I had, an exchange that I had this morning with just this woman who's so, I've just known her for a long time. She's so wise. and. We were talking about the events, you know, that have been going on and she was saying, you know, how do you find belonging through anger? And I was like, yeah, how do you do that? I mean, because anger is such a strong word. And I think it's where a lot of us are right now. And Carrie, I don't know how you did it, but you did it. I mean, like last night, (laughs) you know, you had given me like a little bit of the context of what happened, but just hearing you kind of share step-by-step how you did that. I think that's really impressive that you were able to like in that moment of true anger that is so close to home. It's not even like this is six states away in DC, but literally in your backyard, you know, talking about the schools where your children attend. Oh yeah. um, I don't know how you did that, but I mean, I think there's a lot to learn from that of speaking with Susan and just taking a deep breath and like having the, the cognitive wherewithal to say, yes, I'm really angry, but that's not going to be productive. So what can I do next? I mean, that's good job. Well, and I think, I mean, I think, you know, Kristen, to your point about the pandemic, I think, again, I know you've heard me say this. I don't like to say there's silver lining because it's just been so rough, but I do think as we start to heal, we are going to see that there's some learning that's happened. And I think one of the privileges, and it is a privilege that the fact that it was on zoom actually gave me a moment to process Mm -hmm. because had I been, because I was thinking as I went to bed last night, because usually it happens in the like high school gym or something, they have the school committee. If I had been face to face with that guy, 
I don't know that I would have kept my, you know, stuff together. I think it would have been really hard. I mean, I'm not a crazy person in like that sort of way. So I doubt I would have lost it, but it would have been a lot harder to, to get myself together. So, um, yeah. And I do think the time to self-regulate. Yes. 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 In metacognition and maybe your point, how how do we in the anger find a, a common point to begin to build belonging Maybe it is that self-regulation where we just start to look at those buckets or those areas where we can say, all right, what's a safe place where we can start yeah. um, making that reach out? Yeah. And I think, you know, Kristen, going back to, I like the interconnectedness. I always think about integration versus assimilation, right? That you're, you know, I think it's the same as interconnected in my, in my brain um, is, is I think the other thing that we can do to cultivate belonging is if you buy into integration and you value the other person, you have to start processing what do my colleagues need? This isn't, this isn't just about me and centering myself in that moment. What do my colleagues need to hear from me? Right. And I think that's another way to sort of think about it is to remove yourself as best you can from the middle, right? Don't center ourselves in that Um, But it's not easy. Oh, my goodness. Like, I mean, how mad have we been about everything that's been going on with the Capitol? Like, that's well, and Carrie, just thinking about that sort of center of the stage or or egocentric, Feuerstein talks about an allocentric, A-L-L-O-C-E-N-T-R-I-C, allocentric perspective, where it's everybody else is on the stage together with you. And you're considering different perspectives, experiences, and sharing. Again, going back to that sharing behavior, you're sharing that stage in an allocentric perspective. But we have a whole chorus and cast that's here together with different contributing ideas, behaviors, experiences. That's hard to do. Yeah, it's I mean, really hard. We, you know, especially in a pandem- pandemic, because everybody goes into survival mode. <laughs> and so it becomes even harder to look outward allocentrically than, than inward. Yeah, I guess, Kristen, I'd be curious. Um, you know, I think one thing that I always enjoy when I listen to podcasts or read a book is, you know, folks like ourselves that are chatting about these ideas. And I threw out one example. I love to hear other sort of tangible examples of how this works and what this looks like. And I don't want to put you on the spot because I know we didn't prepare for this topic for the interview, (laughs) but I'm wondering like in your work at NILD, whether it's before you were the, you know, executive director or now, I mean, what does this look like for you in your context? Like, you know, it's got to be different in some ways than just like a school committee meeting, for example. It is because we're dealing with different geographic regions across the U.S. globally. You know, how do educators in India work with students compared to educators in South Africa, Europe? And so being culturally aware, um, I I believe there's there's a character trait that doesn't get recognized often enough, and that's humility. How can you go into another culture as an educator and assume you know what are the right ways of interacting? But if you, with humility, enter into different spaces, recognizing um, and wanting to value what they value and their culture, I believe that goes a long way in bridging Mm -hmm. some of those gaps. And I have certainly made the cultural gaps from shaking the hand of a, or reaching out to shake the hand of a rabbi, thinking that's what I'm supposed to do. And Mm -hmm. that's not kosher to all kinds of international gaps that just 
Um, thankfully, I've been extended grace. Some, mm -hmm. some have not. I'll never forget. There were some challenges um, in in with some Mexico interactions that we had, and that I just didn't value relationship building enough, mm -hmm. and it really did impact our ability to move forward. So, learning from the mistakes, being humble, admitting. Hey, I don't know, but I want to learn. Mm -hmm. I think um, that's the school of hard knocks for me that I've been <laughs> learning and hopefully um, I'm catching on. Yeah. Um, just a quick point on that before we move into the next question. Carrie, I know we're going to talk about the book by doctors, Emily and Amelia. Is it Nagoski? I don't have mm -hmm. it like directly yeah. in front of me. I think it was them. They were talking about humility, like Kristen's talking about. And I believe they were saying the more you learn, the more humble you become. That's what they found um, is that when you have like the tiniest little bit of knowledge, people tend to proclaim themselves as experts. <laughs> but when you really do a deep dive, you're like, oh, gosh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know very much at all. And I I certainly lived that through the EDD. I mean, I found that the more I learned about topics I didn't even think at all related to education, the more I was like, whoa, my gosh, there's so much to learn. Yeah. So um, it's Great. kind of a, you know, maybe counter to what you would think but. Yeah. And I feel um, like, I feel like these recurring themes, right. Cause I, I'm thinking about our conversation with Paula. So <clears throat> this notion of reciprocity, interconnectedness, integration, whatever word you want to use. And then this humility and learning, right. This learner identity keeps cropping up. And Paula talked a lot about having a beginner's mindset mm -hmm. um, and sort of I do think for me, that has always been my saving grace because I never walk into a space claiming to be an expert and I'm totally okay with saying, I know that I'm supposed to do something here. I'm not sure what, can you help me out? Right. And that just like, that disarms the situation, right? Like whether you're in France trying to speak the language in a really bad way and you just admit that it's a bad way, they love it because you're trying and you admit it and you don't act like, you know, an American who thinks they know it all. So I love that we're having these themes, the reciprocity, the interconnectedness and beginner's mindset. I'm seeing like, you know, everything connecting back. So it's kind of fun when that happens. Yeah. Kristen, let's talk a little bit more about um, kind of the practical. So you share your your day-to-day -day, day experiences with us in the fall. How will that compare to your experiences in the spring? So what will your days look like in 2021? So I think because of the pandemic pivot where we've had to use technology more, we really want to harness that in a positive way and not just say, well, and you can't see my air quotes that I'm doing right now, <laughs> return back to normal, the vaccine gets out, we're all healthy and herd immunity and every, everything is good. I think we would be remiss if we miss the lessons learned from the pandemic. So mm -hmm. what that means for, for myself as a leader in NILD, for those that we're working with is how can we take the good, the bad and the ugly of the pandemic and really use it meaningfully to just slingshot us forward. Like I'm tired of, of being in the morass and feeling stuck. I want, I want to use this as a slingshot to exponentially move forward those initiatives mm. in our organization, in education at large, as we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and so for us, it's being reflect, and Brianne, I know you love this from our other conversations, is that critical reflection, but not just staying there. It's mm -hmm. acting on that critical reflection um, and really moving the organization, NILD, forward in, in our mission 
um, to reach all types of learners and make sure that educators have those instructional tools in their hands to move the needle for students thinking and learning. Yeah, I, think I that's, love the idea of a slingshot I know, I out of where we are right now. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's like the I, best image. <laughs> I would be really happy to like just like <laughs> through there for sure. So yep. um, yeah, and I also really love, I think, I, I don't know about the both of you. I can't speak for anybody else. I'll speak for myself. I'm really tired. I just have mm -hmm. fatigue. And I think part of the the trick here, for lack of a better word, to your point, Kristen, with this slingshot is like efficiently mustering enough energy to get that slingshot started, right? I, it's like, I just have to keep digging and to find and look for hope, right? Like I just have to look for hope. I, I read an article yesterday that said, you know, changing your mindset is so important. And then instead of getting up in the morning and saying, I have to do, the article said, try saying I get to do, right? And like just, and I know, you know, the audience may be rolling their eyes at us right now, but it's those simple that seem silly things that make the difference. Like if you, I mean, so I'm thinking, okay, I'll just say, I get to do this podcast today. Like I don't have to do this podcast. I get to do it. Right. Can I tell you a real life example? Please, of that? please. So, you know, as a white woman who is educated, grew up in a family who had affordances, I get it. I live in privilege. I live in a bubble. We have one daughter who's nine and, and we're trying everything we can to make sure that that bubble is see-through, that she's engaged in her community around her. So this holiday season, we decided to do a kindness advent calendar. Hmm. So, so we got a, an advent box um, and she put in names of neighbors, her principal, friends, and each day she'd open that up and she would do something kind for that. So she'd write them a card, she'd send them a voice text, sent you know a, a dog toy to one of her friends. And at <laughs> first, when she was communicating this to people, she would say, I have to do this kindness advent calendar. <laughs> and I said, I said to her daughter, I said, Elise, stop. What does it mean if you say I have to do this calendar or I get to do this calendar? Aww. And it was like the light just dawned on her face. You could see it in her eyes. And she was like, oh, and then the smile mm. came out. And so just exactly that, that reframing of those inner speeches that we tell ourselves has a complete impact on how we engage with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if you can, you know, <laughs> overcome that fatigue, even a little bit at a time every day and change your mindset. I think Kristen, what I love hearing you say, and I've, I've had the fortune of getting to work with you recently and sort of observing some of the, the greatness that I see in NILD is that if you take note of the changes, it's like, you've got, you've got this thing that you can hold on that's going to be magical because I think what's happened with the pandemic, at least for a place like NILD, you know, an organization that works so amazingly well with, with kids, who have learning differences is you've had to imagine what the support looks like on zoom. Yes. And what that has forced you to do is to move away from the traditional way of doing things and think creatively. And so even if only three of them work better now, that's three new things that you can take face to face. And like, we've imagined, we've realized that like we have this opportunity to bring NILD instructors together in a space virtually that you'd never be able to do because they're in California and Texas and Maryland and all over the place. And so 
I think what's important and what I love about the work you do, Kristen, is like, you're noticing it, right? You're not just like letting it wash over you. You're like that. Oh, we did that. Let's get, grab that. Oh, we did that, that let's grab that and see and hold on to that. And what I worry about is that there are a lot of folks out there who are not going to hold on to those things. They're not going to hold on to those nuggets and they're going to try to return. As Paula was saying, they're sort of just going to try to paint over <laughs> a foundation that wasn't so great to begin with. So well, inertia is the path of least resistance. I mean, it's the easy way to go. It's that slingshot. And what I love about a slingshot is, you know, yes, Carrie, to talk about what you were saying, you've got to keep with that fatigue, keep that momentum of pulling the rubber band back or whatever the leather strap is in the slingshot. But then it's just a tiny little pebble. And whatever gets chucked or slung, for lack of a better word, has this ripple effect yes. and can really create some great opportunities for changes. So it's not like a boulder that we're slingshotting. It's just these little pieces that hopefully will, will have great ripple effect with the yeah. momentum. Absolutely. Well, what's cool about a slingshot, and I'm just going to nerd out here for a second with neuro, um, Kristen, remember the all or none theory with um, like action potential. So when our neurons talk to one another, right, it takes a certain amount of energy, so to speak, to actually trigger. So that's like the pulling back of the slingshot. But once it goes, you can't stop it. And that's the all or none principle. So it's either going or it's not. It's like, I you don't know, like a gun analogy, but it's the same idea. Like if you have enough um, force on the trigger, once you pull that trigger and it engages, that bullet is flying. Um, and so it's that like, it's the work of pulling the slingshot pulling back, the slingshot. Um, mm. you know, and then once it goes, it's sort of unstoppable, which is kind of a neat idea. I guess I'm just thinking, and I think we talked about this either on this or, or our other podcast. I hope that enough time has elapsed that we almost can't just go back to what we were before. That's, <laughs> that's in my heart, how I'm, what I'm hoping. And last night, uh, my husband's birthday is today. So last night, my daughter was saying, I'm going to do a video. She made a video, like an Apple video of our life during the pandemic. And it was hundreds of pictures that she put together. And last night we just sat there and watched it. And I just couldn't believe how many things have happened. And actually I hadn't heard of this. Um, I have to versus I get to idea, but we sort of had that moment of like, look at all these things we got to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so not a Pollyanna situation. We would clearly much rather not have had it, but this is where we are. And there are a lot of things that we have the privilege to learn from, I think. And we have an obligation to learn from it and, and use that as we move forward. Yeah. And in this instance, Brianne, I think to your point, time is our friend, maybe. It, it, yes. it, even this hard where we're pushed into the, the margins and the edges, time, we, we can't return to the status quo. It's, it's just not going to be acceptable um, to revert back. And, and hopefully time will be our friend to allow us that reflection and, and moments for change. Yeah, I, I think, so. and I, okay. yeah. oh, I was just going to say, I think there's going to be forces among us, mainly people, right, and institutions that won't permit us to return to the pre-pandemic. I just think from a very sort of, you know, businessy standpoint, like, I don't think customers are going to be okay with only having sort of one option for something when now they can zoom it or they can, you know, face to face it or take it out or whatever. I just think the realities of that have changed, um, you know, the way in which we do so many things. So I don't know. 
and we can't just bounce back. I mean, Carrie, you were no. talking about this like deep fatigue, right? It's not like we didn't get enough sleep last night. We are like tired in our yeah. bones. And that that's something to work, like it takes a lot to get back from that, right? Yeah, like we have to crawl our way back to yeah. feeling really good and kind of healed. But yeah. I, to, to our point, I think that 2021 is like, I feel good about it. I, I share Kristen's um, cautious optimism, I guess. And I mean, the fact that the vaccine is there, like that to me, this is a real thing. Like this is really, truly getting better. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when we talk to Lisa Soris, um, I think it's in a week or so, we'll, we're going to talk about that burnout book. Um, I don't know if you've read that one yet, Kristen, it's the, the, the sisters, they're twins that wrote a book on stress and burnout. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, re- it's just really good, you know, and, and I think that'll, you know, um, yeah, that'll be another sort of way to get into this and, and sort of think through how to, you know, to move through that fatigue, Brianne, because one thing they say very early on in the book is that the stressor might subside or disappear. So the stressor maybe being the pandemic, but the stress stays in the body, you know, sometimes long after if we don't complete what they call the cycle of that sort of stress. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to to notice that and give ourselves grace and each other grace. And I think that's where, in my view, you know, cultivating belonging and being interconnected and being a part of community, even if it's virtual, it, it might not feel like it matters some days because you're so fatigued, but I think it does. <laughs> I really do. I think that showing up and the energy you get even from, you know, connecting with folks on Zoom can, can and lift us to pull the, that slingshot back. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the hope for me is that I don't have to get over this fatigue myself. Yes. It's when we are interconnected, we're feeding off of one another, the positive energies, the shared experiences. So again, it's allocentric versus egocentric. And I, I don't have to solve it myself. Yep. Let's do this together. Yep. Um, and that's why it, it just gives that clarion call for belonging, because if you don't feel like you belong, then it really all, is all on you. And, and you're in islands of isolation. So how do we make it more inclusive so that we are harnessing the, the, the power of one another to influence us for good. Absolutely. So I wonder, um, Kristen, you know, just to think about some of the questions we had planned to ask you, but have had a really <laughs> awesome conversation. Otherwise, um, I wanted to dig in a little bit more to sort of the learning and the noticing and the reflection that you've been doing. And I'm just curious if you could share or name, you know, a takeaway that you've experienced either personally or professionally that you feel like, oh, I'm definitely taking that into the spring and then even post-pandemic. Just wondered if you if you had a one or two you'd be willing to share. Yeah, you know, I've, I've never been, uh, as a younger child, I was better with New Year's resolutions, at least writing them, never keeping <laughs> them. But I would say the past decade, I've been doing something that's really been meaningful for me towards the beginning, end of the one year, beginning of the new year, I start thinking about a word that I want to be very mindful of during the whole year. And, you know, they've been words from, you know, trust to compassion, whatever it is. But this year, I really want my word to be intentionality. Mm. And so I can be intentional personally, professionally. And I think I want to intentionally cultivate my social presence online. And ILD does so much um, with its instruction now online. 
And it's very different than being in person, having those physical touch moments when you can place a hand on someone's shoulder or, um, you know, just walk by and, and really let them know you're thinking about them just by that eye contact. So how do I cultivate my social presence online, being transparent, being available? And Carrie, you've really challenged me with that as we've gone through our instructor training, that cognitive presence is necessary, that instructional or teaching presence is a part of that. But if you're not showing up, and, and making yourself real and available and transparent, um, there's going to be a lack of engagement, both on my part as well as the, the participants, be they adults or, or younger students. So I think that's for me, that intentionality is cultivating that social presence. Did you notice I signed in four minutes earlier to this one than I usually I did? I noticed. <laughs> I'm usually screeching running, you know. <laughs> Enter stage left, <laughs> you know, no, that was awesome. <laughs> Brianne, what do you, what, how about you? Do you have any takeaways? Cause you've been, I mean, you've been in the thick of it, teaching your students, you know, directing an undergraduate program, guiding your own kids, your daughters. Like I know I you my have takeaways are like, just start to listen to my own discussions. Like I should probably go back and listen to the fall and maybe do some of the things that we talk so, so frequently about, um, because I am so in the weeds at this very moment of getting everything teed up, um, with the tech and how do I engage, you know, online students and remote or in a face-to-face -face students in the same place at the same time. Do I have them like in a laptop on my, in my hand? I mean, how does this, what are the logistics? I've been so bogged down in the logistics and I keep forgetting that they're, they're students. These are like my favorite people to interact with. Just the tech is going to come, take a breath, do all the things that we talk about. So I think just kind of taking a break and, and slowing down is going to be the message because Paula said this last week and I didn't comment on it, but I thought it, I thought like, yes, yes, yes. She said that she feels like after finishing the doctoral program, that if she has 15 minutes that she needs to be doing something very productive with it. And I have not come off of that. Like I'm really trying to come off of it, it's but I PTSD, think PTSD, right? It is. It's like, it's a legit thing. I hope somebody's writing about it because it is a bizarre thing that happens to your brain in the course of this program. But we always love to do puzzles in our house. So we have puzzles, um, especially around the holidays. And I have been very intentional about doing puzzles, which sounds ridiculous. It's like, I will now take a break. Um, <laughs> But I have loved it. And, and it's just made me so much fresher than when I come back to my desk to get back into the weeds. Cause I have to deal with the weeds. We all have, like, you can't just say like, all that matters is belonging. Well, it does, but if I can't hear the students, then that's not gonna, they're not gonna belong. So I have to figure those things out, Yeah. but also we have to slow down. So I think slow down and kind of give myself and everybody some grace and do puzzles. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be curious. I, I wonder if we could sort of, poll the, the whole country or the whole world or something. I'd be curious to know how many people have shifted their mindset in terms of being able to give themselves a little bit more grace. Cause I feel like folks that I speak with, whether it's admitting it before a zoom session, like our conversation, I don't know about you ladies, but conversations before zoom sessions are just different now. Like when I, I, I even hesitate to ask someone how they are. Cause like that used to be like, Oh, I'm fine. This is doing. And really like oftentimes now it's like, it's a pandemic. I'm, I'm having a really today, actually I'm having a lousy day. Right. So it's just, I'm just curious about, 
I just hope and, and get a sense, at least in my circles that people are, are realizing like they can't do it all. They can't, you know, schedule all those 15 minutes and hopefully they have communities and feel a sense of belonging that they can admit that. Cause that, I mean, I feel like the pandemic has forced us in a, in a corner to say like, <laughs> you have to admit you can't do it <laughs> like, cause you can't. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have to say, I, I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable for a minute. New Year's resolutions for me, as long as I can remember, because I'm just crazy about things is it always used to be like the new health thing, right? Like some new way of eating. So, I mean, I was always the person that like would grab the latest diet, right? Whatever the, you know, keto, whatever it was. And I, and, and it used to drive my partner crazy um, for obvious reasons. And this year, my new year's resolution was, I am not going to diet. I am not reading about diets. I am not reading about foods that can make you lose 15 pounds without doing anything in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm not reading. And my goal is to have all of that stuff disappear off my newsfeed because I'm not reading it anymore. <laughs> and I'm just focusing on being healthy and, and exercising a lot and not, not worrying about that. And so I just, I just wonder like, the fact that the pandemic has driven me to that makes me believe other people must be giving themselves grace. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, Brianne, any other questions we want to toss at Kristen? I feel like we've really put her on the spot and this has mostly been ad hoc. <laughs> yeah, just conversational. No, I mean, I think it's just throwing it back to Kristen. Is there anything else that you'd want to share that we haven't touched on? I just want to affirm the work that mm -hmm. both of you are doing. I know that this is a needed space for these conversations to happen. And my cautiously optimistic hope for, for you and the, the Tell Me This podcast is that your listeners will increase in number and mm -hmm. share that with one another so that this can really grow and be part of that slingshot process, just a pebble <laughs> in the, the ripple change of possibility. I think it's incredible. So thank you for your intentionality of staying with it in a really difficult time. Hmm. Well, thank you. I just, I think it's, um, you know, guests like yourself make it way easier to do this work. It's, I think I have, I don't want to speak for Brianne, but I've learned it's just so much more fun to have a conversation with other people than to do, you know, the, the episode alone. Um, you know, I mean, I have plenty of things I could say, <laughs> but I'd way, way rather talk to other people and hear from you. So Kristen, I feel um, equal gratitude to you for taking the time out of your busy, crazy schedule um, to join us for a second time. Awesome. Um, Dirty dozen, so, right? Yes, just absolutely. So Brianne, any closing words? No, just thank you, Kristen. I always love getting together and you always leave me with a couple of words. So we have slingshot. I know. Intentionality. <laughs> We've got good ones moving forward. So thank Abs you. Absolutely. Yeah. Slingshot's going to live, live on for a while, I think for sure. So yeah. All right, so I'll go ahead and wrap up. And thanks to all our listeners out there for uh, for listening today. This is season two, episode 12. Kristen, thank you so much. And hopefully for others out there, your slingshots are being locked and loaded and, and ready to go. So please stay healthy, continue to wear that mask and be hopeful for what's coming in the future. Take care, everybody. So
星。